Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. First is our orphanage, Beth Besed, which means House of Kindness, where 40 children are cared for each day, both spiritually and physically. And of course, there's our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira, who's setting Haiti ablaze by restoring it back to Yeshua, restoring it back to Torah, and to the Jewish roots of our faith in Messiah. Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T-O-R-A-H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax-deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. The writer of scripture is clear to say that you are not just the starter and the finisher, which you are. He says you are the author and the finisher. So you being the author, Adonai, it must mean that you must have a book. If you're an author, you must have a book. And with limited revelation, we could say that, well, the book is the Bible. If he's an author, well, the book is the Bible. Well, that's limited revelation. I tell you with greater revelation that the books that he's writing are sitting right here. You are so much more than a believer, you sitting here. You are not just a believer. You are a story. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Because even even the Apostle Paul said, you are epistles, letters of Messiah. And like every good story, you have a, a really great start. And you have an amazing end. Do you know that you have an amazing end to your story? You have the greatest end to your story. But in the middle of the story, you have a whole lot of drama. That's because he's a good author. And if the writers of, you know, like Netflix series, this is like 24. Like I haven't watched Netflix in a really long time, but I used to be into like 24. Jack Bauer. So I don't know what the latest one is. But if they could come up with uh, stories with a really good start and this really awesome end and a whole lot of drama in the middle, well, how much more our Father, who is writing these amazing stories of deliverances in your lives, and he is the author and he is the finisher. He is the starter and he is the completer. And it is easy to praise him from the beginning of the story It's easy to praise him at the end of the story when we look back in retrospect, and I know that hindsight is always 20-20, but God doesn't want you to wait to the end of the story to praise him. He wants you to praise him from the middle of the story. He wants you to praise him when the drama is at its highest. Come on. Come on, help me preach here today. He wants you to praise him in the middle of this story. He wants you to praise him when things are so tough and things are so confusing. He wants you to praise him when you go back, you know, and you circle through the pages back to the beginning. You're like, am I reading the right book? He wants you to praise him from the middle of the story. He wants you to praise him from that part where you're not even sure if the the ending that he prophesied over you is actually going to happen. He wants you to praise him from that place. He wants you to thank him 
from that place. Even the pagans praise from the end of the story. He wants his people to praise him from the middle of the story. Because it's in the middle of the story where we have our testimonies. Do you hear me? It's in the middle of the story when we have our testimonies. You know, there's this amazing revelation from the story of Joshua. Um, that to Joshua and the Israelites, when they were going to take the land, they had to cross over the Jordan. And just like Moses parted the Red Sea, God, to show Joshua strong, he had him stop the waters of the Jordan River. It just stopped flowing. Like to the, which way would they be going? So they'd be going this way. So like to their, to their right, because that way's the, sea of the, the Dead Sea. So to their right is a wall of water. In front of them is all this mud. And they walk through. And then after they walk through, the Lord commanded 12 of the leaders to take stones, not from where they started on the bank of this Jordan over here, not from the end over here where after they crossed. They took stones right from the middle of the Jordan to put as a memorial, as a testimony. So generations in the future can see that and praise the Lord and remember what he did. This is why testimonies like was just shared is so important. Do you know that testimonies, your testimony is like, your testimony is like the lifeblood of the body of Messiah. Do you know that? Testimonies are like the life blood of the body of Messiah. And you don't even need to wait for these like, like, macro level testimonies to remember it you know the psalm says bless the lord oh my soul and don't forget his benefits do you know that the enemy wants you to forget your testimony did you hear that did you hear that i just heard it the enemy wants you to forget your testimony because he knows that it's life to the body it's life to those who need encouragement to take that extra step. It's life for yourself when you're feeling defeated. This is why it's so important to write down your testimony so you don't forget it. And you don't need to wait for the big, you know, macro level ones. You don't need to wait till like you're healed of some incredible, this, this, this crazy disease or God took you from poverty to riches or that your, your kids got saved or a prodigal son came back. And you don't need to wait until this huge, amazing testimony. Why? Because there are like a hundred micro testimonies per day that are worth remembering, that are when sharing and worth writing down. There are so many, you know, I started to, I just started like a, like a couple of weeks ago to, to have this little log, a thanks, thankful log, a, a gratitude log in my new, hold your ears, iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got half the congregation, yeah, and I got half going, no. I was on the no side for all these years, and, well, you should know, it takes a lot for a Jew to convert. <laughs> but if he does, it was probably because of a really good deal. <laughs> so when Susie went to AT&T, because she was due for an upgrade, and they said, you know, I'll give you a second iPhone XR for free, I said, I believe. I swear I never thought I'd be biting into that apple, but son of a gun, I did. 
So here I am with my uh, new iPhone, and I have the little calendar app. So I have this little thankful log that I'm keeping, and I'm putting even the little things. I said, thank you, Adonai, that we've been praying for expansion here at Mishkan David, and we now have a, a whole entire second Mishkan that's, that's worshiping even right now a couple of hours away with Rabbi Peter. If a whole startup of a whole new Mishkan is an expansion, I don't know what is. So thank you, Adonai. I had, recently I had just, I'm still getting over it. Uh, I had this eye sty. Everybody have a sty in their eye? Everybody had that? This is a painful son of a gun. It's a little infection. It's like a little particle or something got under your eyelid and your body thinks it's a foreign object. It's like rushing all this blood and, and white blood cells into your eye. So now I got this, this puffy eye. I mean, I'm still, I still have a little puffiness in it because now that I'm approaching 50, my, my skin is, doesn't have the elasticity that it used to in my younger days. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, this thing with this thing kind of stunk, you know? It was, I mean, I'm walking around with this big balloon under my eye, you know, this, and it itched and it hurt. And then the Lord reminded me that it's supposed to be that way because it's your, white, it's your body reacting, it's your immune system reacting. Like, if your immune system wasn't reacting as it's supposed to, it'd be become a whole lot worse. And so it is with even our little sicknesses, our cold. You know, we try to, oh, I hope somebody hears this in spirit, that we try to alleviate the symptoms of our sickness because we just don't like to sneeze and we don't like to cough and we don't like the sore throat and we don't like the fever, but it's really the body doing what it's supposed to to heal you. So instead of alleviating just the symptoms, you thank Adonai that your immune system is working. And so it is in our lives when things are like getting itchy and scratchy. Yeah, so, so when, when we're going through something, it's to build up your spiritual immune system. And we try to numb the pain, but really God is building up our immune system. I hope somebody's hearing this. He's trying to build up our immune system, and just like with a cold, once, it's, once it serves its purpose, that little infection can't harm you anymore because your body has figured it out. Do you understand? Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so remember your testimonies. Don't wait for the biggies. Bless the Lord. All right, so now I can start the sermon. So in our uh, Torah, in our lovely Torah, we are at the end of a story. We're at the last uh, parsha, the last portion in the book of Genesis. And it's, it's the, the, the situation is, is as you would expect. At the end of the story, all is well. The family has been reunited, and it feels so good. Reunited because it's, forget it. We don't need no peaches and herb in this, ser in this series. Ser ser service, service, sermon, service. The family's back together. They're safe in Goshen. All the kids are getting blessed. All is right with the world. It was a dramatic season of 24, but wouldn't you know the last episode, everything's all, everything's good. As you would expect. But in order to see how it got that good, sometimes you got to go back a little bit to the middle of the story to see what God has done to brought, bring forth such goodness. 
And all the kids get their prophetic revelation, their prophetic words spoken over them, which are amazing. But you got to go back to the middle of these stories to see how they got to this point where the, pro the prophecies were activated in their lives. Because we all have prophetic callings on our lives, but sometimes we got to go through the middle of this thing to get it activated. Do you understand what I'm saying? We got to go through this thing in the middle. We got to go through the little eye sty. We got to go through the pain. Because once that is accomplished, then the callings become activated. So I want to focus on one of the callings, one of the, one of the prophetic words spoken over one of the children of Israel and the children, the child that I'm going to focus on, his name is Judah. And Judah had an amazing prophetic word spoken over him. I mean, the most amazing of the 12, I think. The scepter will not depart from your hand nor the ruler's staff from between your feet until all tribute, or as it says, until Shiloh comes, but better translation, until all tribute comes to you from all the people. See, it's a messianic prophecy that this one Judah is going to be the forebearer, the ancestor of the whole line of kings, all the way including Mashiach himself. And that's when the prophetic word got activated. He always had that that word, he always, that was always his calling. But now at the end of the story, we see the activation of that prophecy. But we got to go back a little bit. So let's take a journey through the life of this man whose name is Praise God. Yahuda. See, Judah was the fourth son of Leah, the disliked wife and she named him Praise God because the first three children are named kind of in a way like she wanted to, to, to get her husband's attention. Like the first one is Reuben, you know, so maybe my husband will see me. And Levi, Le Levi, Levi was named that because it means attached. And maybe now after I give another child, my, my husband will be attached to me. But it was her fourth child where she said, you know what, forget that. I'm done trying to please humans. I'm just going to praise the Lord right here. And wouldn't you know it, that's her, that was her middle child. She had three prior and she had three after, two sons and her daughter Dina. So that was her middle child. The middle child was where she prays because Adonai wants us to praise him from the middle of this thing. He wants us to praise him from the middle of our financial situations. He wants to, us to praise him in the middle of our homelessness. He wants us to praise him in the middle of our marital troubles. He wants us to praise him in the middle of our job circumstances that are tough. He wants to pray, us to praise him in the middle of our unemployment. That's where he wants it to come from. Do you understand? Bless the Lord. So let's take a journey through the life of this one whose name is Praise God. Bless the Lord. So now Judah was a leader in the family. He wasn't just an ordinary dude. He wasn't like Zebulun. Boring old Zebulun. Or boring old Issachar. I mean, Issachar got a little bit of a calling like way later. He understands the times. Good. You know, or Simeon, you know, he wasn't a regular guy. There's a couple of leaders in Jacob's family. 
A couple of leaders in Jacob's family. There was uh, Joseph, we know, because he was the favorite son. There was Reuben, who's the firstborn son, who naturally gets a, a position of leadership. And then there was Judah, because he had this calling of being the forebearer of kings and even the Messiah. He was a leader in that family. He was a leader in that family. And with his leadership role, there was ec leadership expectations from him. But when all the brothers conspired against Joseph, this Judah, the leader, was a leader in this whole plot to boot him out. In fact, it was Judah who had the idea to sell him to the Gentiles, to the Ishmaelites, for, for shekels of silver which actually in and of itself is a little bit of a messianic prophecy because we see later on that there was another man in Yeshua's time named Judah, anglicized to Judas, who also sold the Messiah for shekels of silver. So now we have this guy Judah who sold off his brother, who's a messianic figure, uh, for shekels of silver. So this guy wasn't just a participant in the casting out of Joseph. He was a leader in this thing. And then when they went back to, 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 to Jacob, the dad, I mean, it was a tragedy in the family. It was a major tragedy in, this, in the family. J Jacob, Israel, said that he's going to go down to the grave mourning this kid. It was a tragedy. Now the story takes a little bit of a shift. And it goes into a little bit of the life of Judah. Now, it says at that point that Judah turned away. Turned away. It says that he turned away. But turning away, scripturally, is not a really good thing. But it says he turned away. And it says that he descended from his brothers. And if you look in some of the really ancient commentaries, like there's a Jewish commentary. I don't know if many heard of him here. He's like the bigwig in Judaism. His name is Rashi. He's from the Middle Ages. He's like the commentator of commentators on the Torah. And he translates the word uh, th that he descended from his brothers as he was demoted from his brothers because of the role that he had in, in, in casting out and killing or supposedly killing Joseph. Because he took such a leadership role, he was demoted from that high place. So here he is descended or demoted, and, and, and it says that he turned away. So that tells me that he didn't just go off to find a wife and have a life. It sounds to me that he was kind of like in a bad place. All right, And I want you to understand that, that this man, Judah, wasn't just going to find a life. He was in a sinful place. He was cast out, and he was he turned away from the Lord, not just from his family. All right, So I want to paint that picture. How do we know this? Well, take a look at his wife. She was a, a Canaanite. Now, I don't know, but if I look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I mean, all of these scriptures say, like, don't take a wife from the Canaanites. And here he is taking a Canaanite wife. His kids are evil. Do you know the story of his kids? So the first one is, is evil. Second one is evil. So he has evil kids. And, I mean, let's just be adults here. Adults, adults, adults. He, he's seeing prostitutes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you think, you know, that when Tamar had to put on the garments of a prostitute to seduce him, I mean, if you think that was the first time he did that, you're probably wrong. I mean, this guy, this dude was in a bad place. He was turned away. He was in a dark place. He did something wrong with his brother. And I believe that the sin of what he did overwhelmed him, and now he was turned away. 
and in a bad place. So in comes Tamar, and uh, Tamar was, the, was supposed to marry his first son, but th- this son was just, all it says is that he was evil, and God killed him. That's it, right? So he's evil. So I think that also sh- proves that this, he's in a dark place. Now his family is evil. His kids are just evil, just evil, but the Lord killed him. So now the second son comes in, and in that culture, the, the, the brother or the next of kin is supposed to have a, have a, a child with the, with the widow, with the widowed wife, to, to continue on the name of the deceased. Okay, that's called a, a, a Levirate marriage. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what that second son did with Tamar, that he didn't finish the job, if you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of misunderstanding what that is. He, he didn't do the Levirate marriage thing, okay, and that's why he was called um, uh, evil, and he was killed. So now the third son comes around, and, and Judah goes to Tamar and says, you know what, put on your widow's garments, and once my third son, Shelah is his name, once he's old enough, you, you, you'll, you'll be with him. But he never intended that because he thought that his two sons died because Tamar must have been wicked or something like that. Do you understand? So, so she has this widow's garment on, and if you want to talk about somebody who had a middle of the story, I mean, poor, look at poor Tamar. I mean, she was a righteous woman. She did nothing wrong. But here's this guy who's keeping her from her prophetic calling because her calling is to be the, the mother of the one who's going to continue on the messianic line. And here is Judah saying, oh, no, you stay as a widow forever. So you talk somebody who had a rough life and a rough middle of the story. Tamar had a rough middle of the story, and there's incredible revelation in that also, that sometimes when somebody is trying to keep you from your prophetic calling and say, you got to wear these widow's garments forever, you know, sometimes you just got to do something really radical to take those off and, and, and receive and take your calling. I hope that speaks to somebody here. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So here comes Judah. Probably not the first time. You know, she's sitting there at the, at the, uh, by the street pole on the street, you know, uh, by the street pole where the lights were. That's where she's standing. Here comes Judah in his car. Rolls down the window. She comes up to the window. Sticks her little butt out. Puts her head in the window. He says, come on, get in. She says, all right, well, what are you going to give me? I don't do this stuff for free, you know. This is tomorrow now, dressed as a prostitute. And he says, what are you going to give me? She, she says, what are you going to give me? And he says, well, I got a goat back home. I don't have my goat with me. And she said, well, what are you going to give me now? Because I'll take the goat, but I'm going to need some collateral right now. And if you look at what he gave Tamar, it cinches the deal, it seals the deal on how broken he was. Because this man had a prophetic calling on his life. And he felt at that point that it was worthless. He didn't see it anymore. He was in a dark place. So he gave her his staff. He gave her his signet ring, his identity. That is his identity. He gave her his cord, which in Hebrew is patil. It's the same word used for our tzitzit. It's, it's, it's his righteousness. 
This is everything that still identified him with his calling as the forebearer of the Messiah, of the kings. He was fallen away. He was sinful, but he still had his leadership staff. He still had his staff. And in a moment of utter weakness, he had to give it up. This is a dark place that he's in, do you understand? The calling that he had, everything linked to it is now gone. His identity, which is in the ring, is gone. Every bit of his previous identity is the one who is going to bring forth kings and ultimately the Messiah. It's all gone to a hooker. Bad. Bad stuff. Fast forward. That's my fast forward sound. To the, towards the end of the story. Now Joseph is before all the brothers, and Joseph is dressed like the Egyptian. They don't know who he is, but he knows who they, they are. And he plays a little game with them because he wants to have the youngest brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was the least of the tribes. Even if you look later on, King Saul, who's from Benjamin, said it's the, it's the least. Benjamin is the least. Is the least of the tribes. But it was his natural brother, Joseph's natural brother. So he's like, I'm going to take him. So he, he devised this little plot where he put a cup into his bag, and then he had him come back, and who stole my cup? And then the brother said, nobody stole your cup. I swear that nobody stole your cup. If anybody stole your cup, may he die. So they open up the bags, and wouldn't you know it, the cup is in the bag of this one Benjamin. And then Joseph, who was hidden under his Egyptian garment, said, okay, I'm kidnapping him forever. You guys go, and he's with me forever. And in comes Judah, who lost everything, who gave everything up. In sin, gave everything up, had nothing to lose. Judah steps up and says, Release the boy and take me instead. And it was that moment where Joseph loses it. And he takes off his garments and reconciliation is made and deliverance is made. And it's all because this one guy who lost everything activated the blessing because to be a forebearer of Messiah, it doesn't mean that you just carry some haughty staff. It means that you give your life for another because that's what the Messiah does. And when he said, release him and take me, it activated the scriptures that said, there is no greater love than one who gives his life for a friend. He activated the scripture that says those who lose their life will gain it. 
He activated the scripture that Yeshua said, those what you do to the least of these, my brothers, hello, Benjamin, the least of the tribes, you do unto me. And he didn't even know what he was doing, but he was broken and busted up. And with nothing else to lose, and I completely gave up on that amazing calling he had on his life, he offers up his life, and he finds his life. Fast forward to the Torah portion we're at right now, and I hope I can keep it together. Now it's time for the dad to bless him. And he goes to Judah, and he says to Judah, the staff will never depart from you. This is the one who gave up his staff to a hooker. He gave it up in sin. But Adonai used his middle for good. He used the middle of his story to bring about deliverance for Israel and the world. And the father said, the staff will never depart from between your feet. He gave up his staff to a hooker, and now the prophecy is activated. The staff will never leave you. The word, the calling he had on his life is now fully activated. The scepter will never depart. You are a lion's cub. We see the lion of the tribe of Judah for the first time. So do you understand that the calling in your life is there from the beginning, but it's activated when you give it up? Do you understand when you give it all up in the middle of your story? This is why we praise the Lord from the middle of our story. This is why we write our testimonies from the middle of our story. Is there anybody here that has a praise right now from the middle of your story, from the middle of your test, from your life, from the middle of your situation, from the middle of the things you're praying about, from the middle of your trials? Do you have a praise to the Lord right now? Because this is where your testimony is made. Is anybody right now in the middle of the Jordan River. I tell you right now when you leave this place take a stone and put it up as a monument and say that I have a testimony right where I am. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord right from where we are. Hallelujah. 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 He, because he who began a good work will surely bring it to completion until the day of Messiah Yeshua, which means that if he hasn't come back in the second coming yet, God is not done with you. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord. All right, listen, before we... Uh before we take communion, let's keep that going, but you can turn, we can turn the volume down when we talk. Hallelujah. We'll keep it going, though. Bless the Lord. So multiple times, unplanned, we spoke about testimonies, and it says a testimony is established with two or three witnesses. 
Are there two or three here that have a, a testimony that they'd like to share? Two or three, I'm asking for. Go ahead, Tammy and Lou and, and um, uh, Pamela. Um, so, I, I, this is definitely the middle, I think. Um, just for a real quick recap of what's happened this year so far, um, I lost my job of 20 years in June, uh, paid through the summer. Then my mom died in October, and a week later my daughter got married. Uh, I haven't been able to find a job, um, mainly because I'm not sure what I can do because my walking is getting worse daily, and they don't know why. I've never been able to have the testing done because even though I've had coverage, um, the test, it was never full coverage, so I always had to pay out of pocket. So I've never been able to have the MRIs and the x-rays and everything that my doctors have wanted. So um, so I, I'm on Medicaid now, and I am, I am so thankful for that. Um, and, and I've been able to put uh, money together for rent for, um, you know, October and November, and then September, October, and November after I stopped getting paid. Um, but this month, I, I, I have nothing. So, um, which was, so my, my landlords, um, which are a good cop, bad cop, sort of team um, were in Thailand for three weeks so I didn't hear anything and then the night they got back from Thailand two o'clock in the morning I started getting a text from you know uh, my my landlord the wife um, and I I and then he texted me and said don't worry about it it's gonna all work out God's got this and then she got wind of the fact that he was giving me different uh, information and and she finally talked to him and so sent me a long text saying how if I didn't pay um, they would they want to know as soon as possible because they will be renting my apartment in February and um, they will start looking for someone in January so anyway so that essentially happened Monday all of that you know happened this week so, um, even those, you know, for the past three months, it's been really frightening. Um, and I want to preface this with saying I'm very aware of my privilege, and I'm very aware of what a blessing the place I live in is, and uh, God blessed me with it about five years ago in another set of circumstances that were amazing and totally just God saying, here, this is what I've given to you. So anyway, so today I got another text from her saying, you know, we've decided. Um, I'm not really sure that's a we, but she's decided that uh, she's going to start showing my apartment and renting for February. And as I looked out the window, I live across from a marina. And as I looked out the window, I saw a parade of swans coming down. And swans have always meant to me perfect peace, perfect shalom. And when I moved in, they were there. There was a double rainbow when I, on one of the days I moved in. It, it's just been such a place of solace. And then I got very, very hurt 
uh, by running into the wall, into a wall with my head two years ago, not on purpose, but because I lost my balance. So I, and I've been trying to regain from that. I'm sorry. I know this is disjointed. Um, so anyway, so the parade came. And then, you know, I thought they were going to go on by, and they didn't. They just kind of went back, and then they were just kind of gliding in front of my house. And I was like, okay. And that reminds me of a song that I sang um, when I was in a Christian singing group in college. Um, it was an Andre, Andre Crouch, and it was, um, I will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. So I'm hearing that, and I'm, and I'm like... Okay, um, you know, because part of me feels like I have to be worried, like I, I have to, people need to know that I don't feel okay being irresponsible. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to be as joyous as I know I'm called to be. But anyway, so I started coming here, and um, as I was driving, it rained a little bit, and then a perfect rainbow comes out. And I started sobbing. And um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm very afraid to lose my Medicare right now, my Medicaid. Um, when I came in, two wonderful ladies started praying with me. I was in the bathroom. Um, another wonderful lady offered a, me a place to stay if everything does come to fruition and I have no place to go just so I can stay in Rhode Island so that I can, I'm supposed to be see, seeing a surgeon January 2nd. So, um, I feel like I don't have a good way to wrap this up. And I'm sorry, because you did such an awesome job wrapping it up. Okay, good. Can, can we just lift our hands towards Pamela? And I want everybody to pray in unison towards her right now. If you have it in your heart, do it in your heart. If it's out loud, please do it out loud. If you don't have words, well, let the words come out as they will. 